There's a lot of different ways to heaven according to the world. But as we already established, Jesus said, I am the way. There's only one way. There's an old chorus. It says there's only one way, one way to heaven. There's only one way. That way is Jesus. And that's who I'm proclaiming here. Paul was so adamant about this that he said, even if an angel were to come down from heaven and give you another gospel, let him be accursed. Because the only way is Christ and him crucified. It is a blessing to be here today. And I am so grateful that you took the time to come to the chapel service here. I've been coming for the last several summers, a couple times a year, and it's always a blessing to be in the camp environment. I was just reminiscing uh, with some new friends this morning about how much I appreciate camp and how much I love being around camp, so that's a blessing. Uh, This year's theme was living clean in a junkyard, and so that was the title of my last message. And this message is kind of a follow-up from the message I preached in July, and it's called Standing Firm in a Junkyard. Standing Firm in a Junkyard, and God has equipped us to do that in a very specific way by giving us... Uh, the armor of God. And so we're going to look at the armor of God this morning. So if you have a Bible or your phone with a Bible app, I would encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to read uh, verses 10 to 18. So um, I'm going to read the whole passage because it's not a long passage. And then I will open in a word of prayer. Ephesians 6.10 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that as we open your word that you would be uh, good to us and that you would open our eyes and let us see wondrous things from your word. Lord, I pray that all of us, myself included, would leave here changed people better than we were before we came. We thank you for your willingness to give us your righteousness in exchange for our sin. And we pray that we would be grateful for that. 
In Jesus' name, amen. So the first point that I want to bring out is that we are in a spiritual battle. And there were some times when I was a kid where I kind of thought of this in an abstract way. Of course, we're in a battle, you know, the Bible tells us the good things to do. The world wants to do what is evil. But especially in the last three plus years that we have lived in our country, we have seen this now more than ever. That we live in a culture that says that evil is good and good is evil. And Jesus warned us about this when he was on earth because he says, Woe unto you who call good evil and evil good. And so we have this situation where we know that we are living in this junkyard of a world. So how do we stand firm for the truth when we do that? Well, the first thing we need to do is realize that we are indeed in a battle. So for that, let's look at Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. And one word that I would say is if you have your Bible, um, please be ready if you can to read some cross-references for me. I will be willing and able to do that as well, but I like to have people in the audience do that so that I can minimize how much I need to turn in my Bible. But let's look first at these first three verses of our passage today. Ephesians 6, 10-12. So we'll reread those right now. Ephesians 6, 10-12 reads... Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So the first thing I want to say is that Paul, in this chapter 6 of Ephesians, is talking about the battle that we are in. And he starts out the chapter by talking about the responsibilities of children and the responsibilities of servants. And so basically the responsibilities of practical life. And then he says that the way to be prepared for these responsibilities is to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Paul said, in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. But he also said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives within me. So Paul knew that the real power that we have comes through Christ. And then he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He doesn't say put on part of the armor of God. If you were a soldier going into battle, especially, particularly in the Middle Ages, you would put on heavy metal armor to take on whoever your enemy was. And you wouldn't put on partial armor. You would put on the whole armor of God. And so that is so important for us. And then verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
I know sometimes when I look at the moral decay of the society, my temptation is to be upset and righteously indignant with individuals who are against God. But then I read this verse 12 and I realize it's not a battle against particular people, but a battle against the devil who has blinded those people. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil, for he is a liar and the father of it. So when we go against the truth and exchange the truth for a lie, we are doing what the devil has called us to do. And some people say, well, I'm neutral. I'm not serving the devil. I'm not serving God. But there is no Switzerland in the kingdom of God. A choice against God is a choice for the devil. Bob Dylan said it this way, you got to serve somebody. It may be the Lord or it may be the devil, but you got to serve somebody. We are made to serve. Let's look by way of cross-reference at Isaiah 40.31. Isaiah 40.31. Again, I will be turning with you, but if someone gets there before me, feel free to share it. Isaiah 40.31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So, how do we counter what Paul said In Romans where he says, in my flesh dwells no good thing. We wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We need to be abiding in the Lord if we want to successfully run the race that God has set before us. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. So, just as the battle is against principalities and powers of the air and wicked things in high places... So our weapons are not counter, are not carnal, but are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. I think we as Christians often underestimate two things. We underestimate the power of the devil. And then we also underestimate the power of God. God has given us the power to overcome. Our next cross-reference And final one for our first point, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Colossians chapter 1, 13. Colossians 1, 13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us unto the kingdom of his dear Son. So, and the verse 12 tells us who did it. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance and the saints in light. So the Father gave us access to himself 
through the sun. And it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship too because what did Jesus say? He said, no one comes to me except what? Except the Father draws him. So the Father draws us to the Son and the Son points us to the Father. Talk about the perfect picture of fellowship. So we talked about we are in a spiritual battle. We need to know that. We need to acknowledge that. We need to realize that. If you want a good allegory of that, you can read The Pilgrim's Progress. If you'd rather listen to The Pilgrim's Progress, you can actually go to my podcast audio page and look up The Pilgrim's Progress um, by sorting to that series. I actually did a dramatic reading of the whole book of The Pilgrim's Progress, split it into 10 episodes of my podcast, and recorded that with my theater friends over the pandemic when no one was able to do live theater. We did it over Zoom. It turned out excellently. I would encourage you to check that out, and I can give you a card with my information on it at the end of the message. John Bunyan brought out the fact of the journey and the battle that we have as the Christian life in that allegory. So highly recommend. So we go back to Ephesians chapter 6 and we get to our second point, which is our defensive weapon. We have two sets of weapons here in this passage. We have defensive weapons and offensive weapons. So we're going to start with our defensive weapons. Ephesians 6, 13 to 16. Ephesians 6, 13 to 16 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. So Paul repeats this. When the Bible says something, it's important. When it says something twice, it's even more important. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, also your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So, let's consider this for a moment. We are to take on the whole armor of God, so that we can stand in the evil day. There's a lot of people that are not standing, but instead are cowering. But the Bible tells us to be of good courage, for I am with you wherever you go. Jesus said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. I reflect on that a lot. I always tell people, if I could lose my salvation, I would. I lose a lot of things. But the Bible says in Colossians that my life is hid with Christ in God. There's no greater security than that. So looking at this section, we see that we are to stand having our loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's consider truth for a moment. How many times have you heard lately, I'm just living my truth? The Bible says there's only one truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When Jesus stood before Pilate, what did Pilate ask him? 
one of the most sobering questions that we can all ask. He said, what is truth? And I always find that so sad that the truth was standing right next to him, right in front of him, and he still asked that question. And to my knowledge, he never understood it. We need to understand that there is one truth. And if you don't have a moral standard and everything goes, the result is chaos. And that's where we are today. There are people in this world today that get up every day and say, what can I be offended about today? They move from one thing to the next, constantly being offended because truth doesn't matter anymore. And then we see having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I talked about chaos. If we want an answer to the chaos that is in the world today, we need to look to the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. Jesus wants to give us peace. You can look everywhere else for peace and you won't find it. But if you look to Jesus, you will. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Satan wants you to suffer. He knows that he's lost the war, so he wants to win as many battles as he can until Jesus comes back. He wants to take as many people as he can by his lies. Why is that? Because he hates us. Why does he hate us? Because we're made in the image of God. God who said to Satan, you must leave heaven because you tried to ascend to my level. So we need to realize this. We have, there's a real devil who really hates us. Let's look at 1 Peter 1.13. 1 Peter 1.13. Again, if you get there before me, please read it. Rest your hope fully on the hope that is brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. As you... Gird up the loins of your mind. We need to be on the defensive because the devil wants to derail us. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There's a lot of polarization in the world today, whether it be by political party or by race. But Paul says 
we are to be reconciled to God and we are to be ministers of reconciliation to others. No matter what differences you and I have in our backgrounds and in our secondary beliefs, if you have trusted Jesus Christ for your salvation and nothing else, then you are my brother or sister in Christ. And I need to love you. How can I be angry or upset or get mad at someone for whom Christ died? And yet, there is no one on this earth for whom Christ did not die. Christ died for the world. And for all who will accept him, he says that you can come to him and he will in no wise cast you out. So we are to be ministers of reconciliation. So often in our humanity, we, come, we become ministers of division. But the reality is we are to be ministers of reconciliation. So our third and final point this morning is not only do we have defensive weapons, but we have offensive weapons. So let's look at those offensive weapons together as we go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 once again. Ephesians chapter 6, the final two verses of our passage, 17 and 18 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watch thereto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we see here two offensive weapons. We see prayer and supplication. And we see the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. So we actually, so I guess the helmet of salvation uh, is still, um, in the, could still be considered in the defensive weapon category. But the sword of the Spirit and prayer, I see as the two offensive weapons here. Uh, and I, I think there are some people that don't include prayer as a part of the armor. But I really do think it should be included. But let's first take the helmet of salvation. In Acts 4.12 we read, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There's a lot of different ways to heaven according to the world. But as we already established, Jesus said, I am the way. There's only one way. There's an old chorus. Says there's only one way, one way to heaven. There's only one way, that way is Jesus. And that's who I'm proclaiming here. Paul was so adamant about this that he said, even if an angel were to come down from heaven and give you another gospel, let him be accursed. Because the only way is Christ and him crucified. So once we've taken the helmet of salvation, then we have the opportunity to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. 
And watch therefore with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. This is convicting to me because I know that I don't pray enough. I know that I need to be before my Father in Heaven more. And that I could avoid a lot of the problems of life if I would commit myself to prayer. That's why Paul would tell us to make prayer a regular part of what we do. Praying always. Let's consider uh, this further by going to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Hebrews 4.12 The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is why the world does not like the Bible. This is why you have one person or a minority group of people that form an organization like the Freedom From Religion organization and they say God should not be mentioned specifically Jesus should not be mentioned in a public school or some other public area. Because why? Because the Bible is a tool of conviction. It convicts the heart. It prepares us to receive the truth. See, we first have to realize the bad news. We are all sinners under the judgment and condemnation of God. And then we can realize the good news that Jesus became sin for us, as we read earlier. But you can't embrace the good news until you've embraced the bad news. That's one of the problems with the modern gospel, is we like to talk about how God is love, and surely He is. But you can't understand the love of God until you understand the judgment that you deserve. That is the truth of the matter. And our final cross-reference today, if we can look at 1 Thessalonians 5.17 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Very simple and direct. Pray without ceasing. Paul says in this passage, praying always. And in that passage, he says, pray without ceasing. So you think that prayer might have been important to the Apostle Paul? I think so. Obviously, it doesn't mean that we pray verbally every single minute of every single day. But one thing that has helped me is to have an attitude of prayer at all times. So it's not like, oh, I I did my morning prayer time, so I don't need to pray anymore today. But rather having an attitude of, Whatever I'm facing throughout the day, I can go to Jesus through prayer and he will answer me because he is faithful. I just have one illustration I want to share with you. It says, theologians tell a story to illustrate how Christ's triumph presently benefits our lives. Imagine a city under siege. The enemy that surrounds that city will not let anyone or anything leave. Supplies are running low and the citizens are fearful. 
But in the dark of the night, a spy sneaks through enemy, enemy lines. He has rushed to the city to tell the people that in another place, the main enemy force has been defeated. The leaders have already surrendered. The people do not need to be afraid. It is only a matter of time until the besieging troops receive the news and lay down their weapons. Similarly, we may seem to be surrounded by the forces of evil, disease, injustice, oppression, and death. But the enemy has actually been defeated at Calvary. Things are not what they seem to be. It is only a matter of time until it becomes clear to all that the battle is really over. And that is from Richard J. Morrow in his book, Uncommon Decency. And I really like that quote. Paul asked God three times to remove a thorn in the flesh. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul talked about how the very creation of the world groans for the return of Christ. Because the Bible says that when Christ returns... There will be a new heaven and a new earth. 1 Corinthians 15 tells me that this corruptible will put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality. And you know what that means? That means that one day I am going to stand up out of this wheelchair. I'm going to leave it behind. And I'm going to stand on healthy legs for the first time in my life. But I know that I'm not going to stand for very long because the Bible says also that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I am looking forward to the time when I will bow before my Savior and Lord on new knees. See, if I tried to bow now, I would hurt myself. I would not be able to stay up on one knee. If I ever get to propose, it's going to have to be without that part. But one day, I will have new knees. And I will bow. And I will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'm thankful that I am able to do that now through speaking for him. My prayer is that if you don't know the Lord Jesus, that you would trust him today. Because trusting him is the best thing you will ever do. Now I can testify to you that it doesn't make everything better. I trusted Christ just before my fifth birthday. And I woke up the next day and I still couldn't walk. I still couldn't dress myself. I still had to battle with insecurity. But I know that I know that I know that from that moment on, Jesus was with me because he promises to always be. And like on that road to Emmaus, when those two disciples were sorrowing, Jesus drew near and went with them. The day I trusted Christ and the day I rededicated myself to Christ as a teenager are both distinct times when Jesus drew near and said, I am with you and I will speak through you if you give me that opportunity. 
I'm thankful today for the opportunity to speak to you. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus, since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that you say that you are with us if two or three are gathered in your name. We thank you for gathering this group. I pray that you would go with us as we go into the world again this week. That we would shine our lights so that people would glorify our Father which is in heaven. I pray now that you bless each of these individuals. Make your face shine upon them and give them peace. And if anybody has not surrendered to you, may you chase them down until they do. Don't let them rest in peace until they've met the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.